Dr. Will H. Houghton said, Lay hold of the Bible until the Bible lays hold of you. Martin Luther took that statement to another level when he said, The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold on me. What ministry has the Lord given you the privilege to serve serve him in? What ministry has he assigned to you? And are you successful in that ministry? Hopefully, the answer to the second question is, yes, I am successful in my ministry. And I think you would agree, if you are successful, that you are successful because your head is in the Word of God. And the simple truth of the matter is, is that you cannot be successful in ministry unless you are in the Word of God. You cannot succeed if you're apart from the Word. And why is that? Well, the simple truth of the matter is, is that the Word of God reveals the author of the Word of God. Simply put, the Word of God reveals the God of the Word. And in order for any servant to serve a master, in order to serve that master well and acceptably, you have to really know the master. And it's no different in our service to God. We have to know him in order to serve him well and acceptably. And despite the many reasons that we may have for reading the Bible. We read the Bible to uh, uncover the precious promises that God has laid out in there. And there's a lot of them. And we do read the Bible to understand Bible doctrine because that's important to understand doctrine. But quite frankly, those should not be the primary reasons that we read the Word of God. The primary reason, in my opinion, is that we should read the Bible to get to know the heart and mind of God. The Bible is a love letter that God has written to us. God has given us the privilege of having the word in print. God magnifies his name, his word above all his name. And by putting his word in print, He guarantees that word. He puts his name on the line each and every day because if any part of the word is found to be incorrect or not true, then he is a liar. And by putting his word in print, he he also puts himself up to uh, criticism, uh, skepticism, ridicule, and the whole list of things that comes along with that. So God gave us the written word as a love letter and as a primary source to get to know and and learn about him, to get to know him. And we 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 really need to get to know the will of God. 
So how do we get to know the will of God? Well, we get to know the will of God by getting to know the character of God. And you see, God, we have a very legalistic God, and he never acts in violation of his laws. He never acts in violation of his principles. He never acts in violation of his word. And he never acts in violation of his character. And where do you think his character is revealed? Yes, his character is revealed in the Word of God, the Bible. You know, we as Christians, each and every week, sing song after song after song. And this is done in church after church after church. And it's done for for year after year after year. And what happens is we we sing these words and and we we praise God, but the link, the living link between us and God is a lot of times not made. And when we can, uh, when we can start praying the words that we're singing, it will make a world of difference in providing a link between us and God. A.W. Tozer said, and I quote, the essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. End of quote. If, If we're to have healthy, worthy thoughts about God and live according to the way he wants us to live in ways that are worthy of him and to serve in ways that are worthy of him, we have to read his word very simply. We can't get to know him without knowing his word. We can't get to serve him without knowing his word. And we cannot get to live for him without knowing his word. Jeremiah wrote, in uh, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And th- see, that's the kind of attitude that we must uh, cultivate. We have to cultivate that kind of attitude as Jeremiah puts forth here. God, again, has given us the privilege to be able to read a written word, the written word which he has made available to us, which reveals his very character. And as it reveals his character, it also helps us to renew our minds so we can start to think the way that God wants us to think. Romans 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One of the dangers that we in ministry uh, face is that we start thinking that the way the world does things is the way the, the, the way that the we should be doing things in our ministry. And, and let's be clear here. The world does some things that are good. The world 
does some things that are actually based on the word of God. But we in ministry can sometimes be at that place where we want to bring everything from the world and the way the world does things into the church and into our ministry and do them those things the same way. And again, uh, we're not saying that the world, uh, the children of the world don't do everything right or some things right, because they do. Um, and again, a lot of the things in the world are fashioned after the Bible, after the Word of God. So we can't exclude everything here. But what, what we're trying to say here is that what may work for a Fortune 500 company may not work for our local church. D.L. Moody used to say that some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. What, what we need to have is the mind of Christ. And we have to start looking at things from our Lord's perspective, to look at earth from heaven's point of view. And as Christians, Ephesians tells us that we're already seated in the heavenlies. So we're looking down on things. We're looking down on situations and experiences that uh, we may face and struggles that we may face. We're above all that. We're already seated in the heavenlies. But uh, we have to be prepared for the unusual, even the impossible. I like to say a quote that I heard many years ago is that when we're in a when we're prepared for the worst, we're in a, we are in a position to expect the best, and that's how we should be doing ministry. We should be prepared for the worst. Our renewed minds, and again, renewing the mind is not a one-time deal. Renewing the mind is an ongoing process. It's thought by thought, moment to moment. We have to constantly be refreshing and renewing our minds. And what do we renew our minds to? We have to renew our minds to the Word of God. And we cannot renew our minds to the Word of God if we don't know the Word of God. And we can't know the Word of God without keeping our head in the Word of God. So, what happens here? Ministry is something that we have to do by faith. And again, how does faith how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, we're told in Romans 10, 17. Matthew 9, 29 says, according to your faith, let it be to you. And that's still the way God likes to work. The measure of our faith is the result of quality time spent in the word of God. Let me say that again. The measure of our faith is the result of quality time spent in the Word of God. And when we talk about quality time, we're not talking about, you know, you're, you're reading the Word because you think it's a, you have to do it. It's a burden. You have to do it. 
No, reading the word is a thing you want to do to get to know the heart and character of our loving Father, the Father that sent His Son, Jesus Christ, here to die for us, the Father that wants His best for us, the Father that wants us to get to know Him, the Father that wants us to follow in the the steps of His Son, Jesus Christ. And we can't do that without getting our head and keeping our head in the Word of God. Quality time is taking that special time, making a special time, where we sit and we read and we contemplate and we ponder and we ask ourselves questions and we seek the wisdom of God and we ask for the leading of the Holy Spirit to teach us things through his most holy and precious word. When we find ourselves failing, it's because our head is not in the word. And what happens is, if, if, unless what we do is based on what God says and what God is, we can find ourselves, uh, putting forth sentimental presumptions instead of faith. You see, what we thought of faith, what we thought was faith, is really only sentimental presumption. We're not trusting God. We're tempting God. And see, that's not a place we want to be, especially in ministry, especially in that special ministry that God has given to you and you alone. Dr. Moody said, again, he said a lot of good stuff, didn't he? I used to think I should close my Bible and pray for faith. But I came to see that it was in studying the word that I was to get faith. Wow. I used to think I should close my Bible and pray for faith. But I came to see that it was in studying the word that I was to get faith. And and people, I don't know about you. But I, I couldn't get I couldn't get by one day, one moment without the Word of God. I really couldn't. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people can survive in this world that we live in in this day and time, especially with all the distractions, uh, without the Word of God, without the discipline of the Word of God, without the love that comes from the Word of God, and and. Some people, unfortunately, squeeze God into their, their daily schedule. They squeeze him in. And that's not what we should be doing. I personally, I start with God in the morning. I like to do it in the morning. That's the time for me. And I want to center everything that I do around God. I'm not perfect, of course. I, I make a lot of mistakes. I, I don't always do uh, uh, what the Word says uh, in, so many, in so many ways, in so many ways. But I never forsake the Word in as much as I don't, I never go a day without starting my day with the Word of God. I have my coffee there. I enjoy God and the Word. I enjoy God 
and the Word. I enjoy my coffee with the Word. I enjoy uh, sipping on that java. I love coffee. God has given me coffee. God has given us a law of coffee or your favorite drink or whatever it is. And what a wonderful thing it is that we can enjoy the things he's given us by getting to know him or by enjoying those things while we get to know him. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, that's the way I feel. I mean, I love having my morning coffee with God. I just do. It's just a wonderful way that works for me. What else does the Word of God do for us? Okay, we, we also, we, we, we've looked at so far that the Word of God reveals His very character. It reveals God's heart. It reveals who He is. Uh, the Word of God helps us to renew our minds. Renew our minds to what God says is important. What, what is dear to God's heart, that's what we renew our minds to. The Word of God strengthens our faith. But the Word of God also cleanses lives. John 15.3 says, You are already clean because of the Word which I have spoken to you. Part of the process, Paul called the renewing of the mind, is... is this is part of the process Paul called renewing of the mind. Because what we think determines what we are and what we do. What does our Lord want for us? He wants us to be beautiful. So he uses the word of God to cleanse us and perfect us. Uh, you can look at Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. We did a, a segment in this, I believe it was in this series, um, in the Heart of Christian Service. I believe we did a, an episode in this series that uh, we talked about uh, how people confuse will and purpose. And just to state that again, the will of God, his will for us is that we become more like Jesus Christ. That's his will for us. And to the extent that we can do that or come close to that, we'll never make it to, you know, Jesus Christ's level. But God looks for us to try daily, try daily to get better and better and better and get closer and closer and closer to the level where Jesus Christ was. That's what he wants for our lives. But you know what? The word of God is not only cleansing water, it's also a shining light. A shining light that enables us to see what's dirty and to stay away from it. You can read Psalm 119.105. And you know what, people? It's far better to stay clean than to get clean. You know, it's easier to stay clean than to have to go through the process of getting clean. Book of Proverbs says in 623, for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. You know, I don't know about you, but I 
look at in in just appreciation and awe uh, to the way God uh, the way God allows the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Word to steer us clear of danger and defilement. He may use a special promise to guide us. And on the other hand, he may use a loud warning. But very often, it's the word of God that has enlightened a dark and sometimes dangerous path. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And you know what? We can't hide anything from God. If we come to his word with sincere devotion and a willingness to obey with an open and loving heart, God will actually show us our hearts as we have never seen them. And he will then warn us about what may happen if we don't follow his will. He does this before it happens so that we can make the adjustments necessary. Uh, you may want to, if you haven't been doing so uh, or not aware of it, but we have a, a feature running right now, currently, called Blame Game Victims, Challenging the Four Invaders Hidden Within Us. You may want to uh, start that series because it's a very eye-opening thing about our hearts and what can get lodged in there. Anybody in ministry knows that we are in a battle. We're in a battle because the devil, Satan, does not want to see the work of God prosper. You see, sometimes we feel like we're fighting the war. Well, guess what? God, through Jesus Christ, has already defeated the adversary. Satan is defeated. The war has been won. However, there are daily battles. And quite frankly, the battle goes on between our ears, in our heads, in our brains. And the devil will use everything he can to make sure that the, the work of God does not prosper. We are the hands and the feet and the doers of what God has asked us to do. People, don't ever, ever underestimate the ministry that you have and the privilege that God has given you to work through you to get the job done. And we are in a battle, again, daily, because the adversary does not want God's work to prosper. Never forget that. But we don't have to fight the war. The war is over. When you come to, to understand and appreciate and understand that, it may make your daily lives a little bit better. One of the favorite tactics of Satan and his cohorts you see, it's not just Satan. He has a whole 
a whole a whole army of cohorts, and uh, it's their job again to get us off off the work of God, and it doesn't take much sometimes to get us to do that. We often uh, we often uh, get ourselves off track, and uh, another segment or an uh, a teaching that we did. I believe it was in the uh, gems feature was about uh, Satan's playbook and how we actually we actually give Satan the ammunition and we show him the playbook of how to how to get us off track through our own actions. So anyway, that's another that's I would suggest you go and and watch that. I think that was a video. You go watch that one. That's very eye-opening as well. But anyway, getting back to this, one of Satan's favorite tactics is to get us to question the word of God and to have you undermine your faith. He wants to undermine your faith in God. He wants to undermine your trust in him. And he does this by getting you to question the word. Has God indeed said? That's his usual approach. You see, because he gets you to question. Well, first of all, he gets you to consider. Then he gets you to question. Then he gets you to doubt. And that's what he did in Genesis 3.1. Uh Satan knows that once you start questioning God's word, the next step is to deny God's word. And once you deny God's word, that opens the way for him to substitute one of his own lies. Because we know that the adversary is a liar. He's a counterfeiter. And he gives you, he does not come right out and um, give you a full bag of lies. He he tempts you, he deceives you by putting enough truth in the statements he makes to you that will allow you to then question, consider, doubt, and execute what he wants you to execute. Because there's just enough truth to keep him honest in your eyes, so to speak. So what do we do about this? What's what defense do we have? In six in Ephesians six seventeen talks about the sword of the spirit. We must take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God, people. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Joshua in the promised land, fighting the enemy, claiming new territory for the Lord. Our secret of victory is the same as it was for Joshua. He tells us in eight, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do anything to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The suggestion here, people, is that you discipline yourself to spend time daily in a systematic reading of God's Word. And it doesn't stop there. You have to question. Ask yourself questions. And get yourself answers. And 
from the Word of God. Let God answer. Ask God to show you what you need to, to see. Make this time a quiet time, a priority that nobody can change, that nobody can take from you. Satan is a, a genius at using the distractions of the world to get God's time with you away from you. Facebook will ruin your life. Facebook will take valuable time that you should be spending to get to know God, to get to hear His Word, to get to speak His Word, to get to pray His Word, to get to read His Word, to get to study His Word. Facebook will destroy those things. Facebook will destroy your relationships. Twitter will help you destroy your relationships. All these things that have good parts to them, good things that could come out of those things, more often than not, they are a deception used by the adversary to get your time, to steal your time away from God. And people don't let it happen, especially if you're in ministry. Man, it, it's, it's, it's something that really annoys me. You got to make your quiet time a priority that nobody can change. For me, it's in the morning. I get up early and I enjoy my time with God, my time first with God. And again, as I said before, I enjoy that coffee that he's given me to enjoy along with his presence, along with his word which I get to know him through. All of us are different, of course. What works for me may not work for you. But I know one thing for sure. I will never allow anything to take priority over the Word or over at least that time that I spend in the Word. Do I blow it? Yes. Do you blow it? Yes. Everyone blows it. But God has given us his Word to cleanse us his son has already fought the, bat, the war. He's won the war. All we need to do is enjoy God, understand the promises, understand his word, understand his character, enjoy our ministry, carry out his work, and get the job done. As servants of the Lord, we have problems to solve. We have plans to make. We have people to help. We have purposes to achieve. Hopefully those purposes are what God has designed for us. And you know what, people? We simply can't do it in our own wisdom and strength. And if you try and try and try to do it through your own wisdom and strength, you will fail. But you know what? The Word of God equips us. It equips us to live for Him and to work for Him. Uh, you can read 2 Timothy 3.17. The American Standard Version of 1901 translates Luke 1.37 this way. For no word from God 
shall be void of power. And you know what? When God speaks, that word has power. And when we believe that word, that powerful word, and act on it, the power goes to work. If we don't believe and if we don't act, that power stays latent. And it does no good to have power and not use it. The better we know the Bible, the better we know our God, our Father. And the better we know His will and how to work for Him. I enjoy the Ephesians Project. This God gave to me this ministry back in 2010. And I, I, I mean, I never forget when God gave me that this ministry. He gave me this ministry actually in question. I had a question of God. Um, at the time, I was watching as I used to. I, I, at, there was a time where I would do is watch. I love watching TV ministers. There are those that I find truthful those that I find truly, truly doing the Word of God. And, you know, like Creflo Dollar and Dr. Fred Price and Freddie Price and T.D. Jakes and Kenneth Copeland and, uh, and uh, Beth Moore. And what was happening is I, I used to watch them in the morning, you know, I'd, I'd enjoy my coffee again. After I, I read the Word, then I would take, you know, maybe my second or third cup of coffee. I'd go in and I'd listen to these, watch these preachers on TV, which I really enjoy too. Les Feldick is another one. Les Feldick is another one. And I never forget this. I was watching, uh, it was after I had watched Creflo Dollar. Then I had watched T.D. Jakes. Now I was on uh, Life Today with James Robson. And... Beth Moore was on her on Wednesday. I, I don't know if she still does that, but it used to be on every Wednesday. Beth Moore would be on, and she was doing the teaching. And it's just sometimes God will work on you, and at least He does for me when I'm hearing the word. And it was at that point in time that you know I I just you know was asking God. You know, it just seemed like that there was so much work to be done, so much that the kingdom needs, so much God needs, so much uh, work has to be done for God. And I, I simply asked the question, God, there's too much to be done. How are we ever going to do this? How am I ever going to do this? I, I don't understand. How are we going to get this, everything that needs to be done, done? And I said, it's just overwhelming on what needs to be done. How can I even get any of this done? And God spoke to my heart and said that, and it wasn't audible, it was just a thought, basically, that came to my mind in answer to the question, which said, when I asked the question, how, this is too overwhelming. This is too overwhelming. It seems like this work will never be done. And 
the thought that came to my head was, it's not too much, it's not too much for the body of Christ. And I said, wow. When we each do what God has called us to do, the job can get done. But it's when we butt up against the body of Christ, when we don't do what God has asked us to do, that job doesn't get done. And quite simply, uh, the overwhelming work that has to be done as a body of Christ gets splintered. And uh, it's, not as if it doesn't, it's not as effective if what God has called you to do doesn't get done by you. But anyway, um, wow, kind of lost my train of thought here. So, what I was looking at here is that um, that uh, let's see. When God speaks, the word has power. When we believe that word and act on it, the power goes to work. So that's where we were. Uh, if we don't do what God has called us to do, that power stays uh, stays latent. And it doesn't do us any good. It doesn't do the kingdom any good. It doesn't do God any good if we don't execute the work that God has given us to do. The better we know the Bible, the better we can know the person of God, the will of God, and how to work for God. I've already stated that. Christians who live in the word are used of God to get his work done in this world. I think I've put that baby to rest. And you know what? There are big ministries, there are medium ministries, there are small ministries, and you know what? In God's eyes, every ministry is the same. Every ministry is critical to God's plan. Every ministry is critical to the effectiveness of God's working in the kingdom. And if your place of service is not a big one, Again, rest assuredly that it is important one. There is no ministry God has given to anyone that is not important. And you know what? If you think about it, even the biggest ministry, think of the, I mean, you think of it in your mind. What is the, the, the biggest ministry, the biggest minister, the biggest ministry out there, whatever it is, think about how the smallest the smallest of service, how the smallest of service and what we would consider small has to be done in order for that large service to get accomplished. There are so many more uh, lesser ministries that go into the success of that large ministry and don't ever, ever forget that. God put you where you are because you are the right person for the job right now. People forget that sometimes. You cannot forget that if you want to be successful. And when you realize that you are allowing God to work through you because you're the right person on the job 
that he has put you there because you are the right person for that job right now. No one else can do it better than you can do it right now. He wants to work through you to get some things accomplished for who? Your glory? No! His glory! And He will do it if you let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, as it says in Colossians 3.16. Don't ever allow your experience, don't ever allow your pride to get you to think that you're accomplishing God's ministry. It's only by allowing Him to work through you. And when you recognize that, that's when you're successful in ministry. And remember, no matter how difficult your place of ministry might be, <coughs> excuse me, or how discouraging the situation, you must adopt the attitude like Peter had. And then God will do wonders for you. Uh, what, did, what, what was that attitude of Peter? Uh, you can read it in Luke 5.5. 5. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. That nevertheless... That important nevertheless, which represents an obedient faith, makes all the difference between success and failure. Let me repeat that. And people, this is so important. Never, that nevertheless of obedient faith makes the difference between success and failure. I'm going to leave you with one more verse, 1 Kings 8.56. And people, as everything else in the Word, you can trust in this. This is, a, this is truth. This is truth, people. You can trust in this. There has not failed one word of all His good promise. Wow. Well, I hope this was... Um, I hope this was a little bit eye-opening for you, and and uh, I get excited about this stuff. I get excited about God's Word, and again, I don't know where I'd be without it. Well, I guess I know where I'd be. I'd be in the pit, just as you would be without the Word of God, just as all those, the unsaved, that don't have the Word of God to rely on, that don't have the Word of God to trust in, they are in a in a in a world of hurt they ha they are in the world of hurt and people it's our job to get them to know the word and it's through our example more so than preaching down their throats preaching the word down their throats shoving the word down their throats more so than that it's by living our life the way that god wants us to live when we're shining lights it serves god in such a big way to show people what they can have when they live a life according to the Word of God. So anyway, 
God bless. I'm excited. And uh, I think uh, I'm going to keep going today. Um, I'm probably going to do some other stuff on on uh, uh, on the Ephesians Project. I, I just can't let it sit today. Uh, I'm wound up. I'm wound up, baby. So anyway, have an enjoyable day. Uh, get excited. Uh, get your head in the word and keep it there. God bless.